We are back again. Summy from Draft Room Pod is back. And we are talking this time quarterbacks and tight ends that are breakouts and busts in this year's draft that you're either going to want to get your hands on or you're going to want to stay away. And I'll tell you what, Summy's got some really, really nice guys and some really interesting guys that you're going to you're going to be a little bit shocked. But we tend to agree. Kind of. Maybe. I don't know. We'll get into it right here on the Fantasy Whispers. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. We're here, back let's again. pump up the volume. Right here. All right, Summy. So the first quarterback I'm going to talk about here might give a lot a lot of people pause and and in fact we did get a lot of a lot of traction on it when i threw it out on on our twitter account oh i'm sure uh, yeah and that was i threw i said on twitter i do not see a scenario where if kyler murray plays all 16 games in this air raid offense he, that he is not a top 6 quarterback for fantasy football now, I know what a lot of people are going to say. Johnny, what are you on? How are, <laughs> how are you going to even say this? And to that, I, I want to give my arguments before anyone makes any judgment here. All right? The first and most obvious one is everyone's going to say, well, that offensive line is horrible. He's not even going to have any time. He's only 5'11 five, on a good day. He's only 207 pounds soaking wet. And yeah, all that stuff is possibly true. What I will say is their offensive line, Summy, is a lot better than most people think it is. Um, they had a plethora of horrible injuries, season-ending injuries on that offensive line. They've revamped it. Coming into the training and uh, coming into training camp, mini camp, they have 19 offensive linemen, Summy. Of Jeez. those nine, of those nineteen, you think they're you think they're like <laughs> making sure they got enough linemen? You know, you know how many of those nineteen offensive linemen were played and finished to week sixteen last year, or were on the team during week sixteen last year? I'll take Only, a guess. Go ahead. Uh, I'll say eight. Close five. Oh, there were four wow. that were on injured reserve. There were there are four rookies and then there are five free agents slash people that they've traded for. So a total of 19 new off or, you know, a total of 19 offensive linemen. They are going to try to put this thing together and make a, a, a solid offensive line. Now, is it going to be an upper ranking offensive line? I don't predict that. But guess what? The number one thing to mask a horrible offensive line is a scrambling quarterback, one that can run around. And I like to equate that to Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, oh, yeah. many people, you know, oh, Russell Wilson, you know, he had a great offensive line. No, he has a very bad offense. Well, last year he had a good offensive line, but well, you know, in terms of in terms of run blocking, yes, correct. in terms of pass pro, that offensive line is garbage, right? A hundred percent. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So I think that with, you know, with Kyler Murray's ability to scramble and run, that is going to mask that offensive line quite a bit. All right. You look at his wide receivers. A lot of people are going to say, well, they have aging 
you know, aging Larry Fitzgerald and they don't really don't have anything else. Well, I would beg to differ. They have Christian Kirk, who's coming off of an inj- uh, a, a season-ending injury last year, but he's there. Everyone is saying that he is going to be perfectly healthy by the start of the season. I am starting to come around on the bandwagon that he is the guy that you really do want. And he's offense. already he's already cutting. If you look at videos from yep. OTAs, he's already cutting. He's going full speed. And the nice thing about him is, I know this isn't a wide receiver show, but the nice thing about him is, him and Kyler Murray have played together before in an air raid offense. And so it's not shocking that they're both picking it up rather quickly and that they're both on the same page. So you like that connection already. And then if you look at this, the playing system, the air raid, it spreads everything out. It's going to cause, you know, I, I had someone on, on Twitter that responded to me and said, Oh, well, they're just going to load the box with eight people and they'll get to Kyler Murray in two seconds. And, Guess what? With the air raid system, the way it is, if you stack eight people in the box, that's going to leave one guy <laughs> wide open. It's yep. just the the numbers. There's only 11 guys on the field at one time. So go yep. ahead. Put eight guys in the box. I guarantee you Kyler Murray can get out of the shotgun. He can get that ball out in under a second to a wide open guy. And then if you don't stack the box, well, guess what? He can either scramble out, which he showed a lot of last year uh, in college. He had over a thousand yards rushing on only 140 attempts. So and 12 touchdowns. That's a major upside. We've already seen that. We've seen guys who can't throw like Lamar Jackson, who actually are very fantasy relevant because of their legs. We've seen Russell Wilson's floor be so high and consistently finish as a top six quarterback at the position why because his rushing ability is so high and so even if you cut that in half some even if you say all right i'm not and i don't think he'll get a thousand yards rushing but even if you cut that in half and say 500 that's super realistic that's less than 50 yards a game that's like 40 yards a game you don't think he's going to scramble four times and pick up 10 yards each time yeah I mean, I think it's it's completely reasonable. And then you look at his his completions last year. He had 260 completions, 377 attempts for 4,300, a little over 4,300 yards and 42 touchdowns. He had seven interceptions. Well, Baker Mayfield, if you look at what he did, he had 285 completions, 404 attempts for 4,600 yards, 43 touchdowns and six interceptions. So he only had one extra touchdown and one less interception. This was his senior year of college. So they're very compat. They're very, very similar at what they did. And if you look at Baker Mayfield's rookie year, he had 310 completions on 486 attempts for 3,725 yards, 28 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Now he didn't play all 16 games, so it could have been, it could be easy that Baker could have thrown for 4,000 plus. Let's say I don't even give him that. Let's just say we give him 3,600 yards, which is 200 yards passing per game. That's a conservative estimate too. That's a, exactly a conservative because guess what? When you start scrambling out, it draws in defensive people and that's when you dink and dunk or we've already seen it, the flick of the wrist and this guy can sail a ball 50 yards. And he's now he's accurate. got the, he's exactly. And he's got the wide receivers that are speedsters that they can they can beat one on one coverage. So I think it's super conservative to say 200 passing yards per game. I think it's really conservative to say that he would only rush for 40 yards a game. 
And I, you know, I would even say, would it, you give them 1.5 passing touchdowns a game and, and 0.4 rushing touchdowns a game, you're looking at a monstrous season. And with those stats, it's, again, it's hard to say that he wouldn't finish as a top six quarterback at the position. And he's currently being drafted in the 10th plus rounds. I mean, people are starting to get the idea. They're starting to catch on. Uh, of the upside of Kyler Murray. So his draft ADP is, is slowly climbing. Yep. But to me, Listen, I, I, I'm taking him in every single draft I possibly can. I'm right there with you. I mean, he's going, I think in the 10th or 11th round, I'm willing to reach in the, in like early ninth for him. If yeah. I know that my league mates are also high on Kyler. Right. And I, I'd like to kind of address a couple of things that you mentioned where, you know, I know certain people as you were, as you were speaking and they're listening, they're, they're probably rebutting in, in their own head. They're like, okay, well you said that he's going to, you know, if they stack the box, like what, what makes you say that he's going to be able to get the ball out quick? Okay. So I like to go over this offense and what it's going to look like. And I want you guys to kind of bookmark this right here and, and play this back after like week eight of the season and realize uh, that what I'm saying is, is actually what's going to happen because I mean, are cooking, you trying to say you, you, you want to be a fantasy whisperer with us? I'm a fantasy <laughs> whisperer, man. I, I just didn't know it. There you go. <laughs> well, listen, Cliff Kingsbury's offense. I've done extensive, like I've spent hours upon hours studying Mike Leach and his offense and, you know, Cliff's variation of this air raid offense. And, you know, what I see of it is, Kyler's going to get the ball out quick. It's going to be a lot of first read throws. And if you just read, read the report that came out, of, I think it was like two days ago or, or like last week, I think it was where they said that there's complexity, but they want to keep things simple. And what that means is that they're going to line up their receivers and they're going to have, uh, I guess the, the, uh, the Z receiver um, or, you know, they're going to have a split end out there. But they're going to have a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of jet mm -hmm. sweeps, a lot of confusion. Like if you think back to last year, Kansas City's offense, where it was simple concepts, but they just window dressed it up to the point where it confused defenses. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be an emphasis as well. But, you know, Kyler, he's not a tall quarterback. And I know that was a narrative before he got drafted is like John Elway will never draft him because he's like 5'10". Yeah. Listen, he's not going to be making vertical reads down the field. This quarterback in the system is going to be making lateral reads. He's not going to be reading high to low. He's going to be reading left to right. Yeah. And that's just the way this offense is going to work. His goal is going to be to get the ball out quick. And sure, when he can, when he does have the time to kind of stand and deliver, when Marcus Gilbert, the 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 tackle that they got from Pittsburgh, who's known to have one of the best offensive lines, mm -hmm. I mean, they sealed up the edges pretty well. And if Kyler can have good pocket presence and step up in the pocket and stand and deliver, you could, if you've watched anything of Kyler Murray, you know how accurate this guy is. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's going to be so much fun to watch. And, you know, by extension, I have David Johnson as my number two ranked running back just because, I mean, if you listen to his comments like, hey, we're going to get guys in space. That's what this offense is about. And David Johnson, he's two years, three years removed from being the number one overall running back. And, you know, he's got the talent. And as a part of, the, you know, this isn't a running back show, but, you know, being part of the worst offense and right. having literally the worst cards dealt him last year, he still finished as the RB11. So I'm a lot higher in this offense. Yeah, and I, I, I love I, Murray. I, I agree. And then th one other thing that I wanted to uh, that I'll just touch on that is, you know, people do talk about his height and he only had five batted balls last year in college. 
for his height. So everyone wants to talk about it. And then that was also the big thing about Baker Mayfield. Oh, he's under, you know, six one and only Drew Brees has been good under, you know, and, and, um, Warren moon is, he was the only other one. Doug Flutie. Yeah. It's it, this football is evolving and it's constant. It's, it's the same concepts. It's the same positions, but guys are getting smarter about it. And I love the fact you brought up the pre-snap reads and the pre-snap motions, because what that does is that will signal based on where linebackers move, where they shift, all of that. It just signals to Kyler Murray, Hey, they're in zone or Hey, they're in man. And it uh, instantly will trigger to him. Hey, I know that when they're in man, this guy will be open or if they are in zone, this is where I need to attack this zone. And so it makes it super simple for him, what I also like is the fact that he's he's ran it for so long, so he's used to it. It's not like a rookie quarterback who's coming in and learning a whole new offense or anything like that. So he right. has that uh, already built in. So, And that's uh, also, you know, one thing I just want to piggyback off of that where I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, this offense is only going to operate out of shotgun and they're going to be very, very predictable. No, they're not. Even if they operate out of shotgun, good luck trying to stop them. I mean, exactly. that's not it's not gonna be as predictable as people are thinking. Right. And look I'm, at Kansas I, City. Look exactly. at Kansas City and how much they ran out of shotgun. And guess what? Teams could not predict what they were doing. They couldn't nope. say, Oh, they're gonna run it on this one or they're gonna pass on this one. Yep. And they've got a running back who can, you know, obviously do do some damage coming out of the backfield or, or splitting out wide. So I to, I'm totally on board with you there as far as the awesome. Kyler Murray take. Uh, let me talk a little bit about a guy that some people seem to have forgotten about and a team that some people have seemed to have forgotten about. Uh, a team that was my dark horse last year and is my dark horse again this season. And that's going to be the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm extremely high on Jimmy Garoppolo. And I understand he's coming off an ACL injury. I understand people say that he has a very limited sample size. Cool. I'll address all those in a second here. Number one, you have to realize Kyle Shanahan is a quarterback whisperer. All right. This guy, 2016, I don't have to remind everyone what he did with Matty Ice, 70% completion rate, 310 yards a game, 38 touchdowns to just seven interceptions. And you look back at 2009, what he did with Matt Schaub in Houston. The guy threw for almost 5,000 yards, 29 touchdowns, 15 intos, 68% completion percentage, and 300 yards a game from Matt Schaub. All right. Kyle Shanahan knows how to get his guys open. And... There's another breakout I want to talk about, which, you know, we might talk about on another show. Uh, it's a part of the wide receiver core here. But I think the weapons that they have are pretty dangerous with mm-hmm. Kittle. You have Debo, who's my second ranked dynasty wide receiver. Oh, I love Debo. Nobody's nobody's talking. In fact, on Twitter uh, the other day, I, I had said Debo uh, that he's going to be a great wide receiver. Oh, yeah. He's uh, people are sleeping on him and they're, you know, they're buying into the Nikhil Harry, DK Metcalfs, and they're not really looking at Debo and what he can do. Um, But, you know, going back to, yeah, he's shifty. And then not even Debo. You look at Jalen Hurd, who's going to be a sleeper in dynasties. You want to pick up Jalen Hurd. Trust me, he will do wonders for you. He is going to break out. If not this year, he will break. I actually have a running bet with, uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure if you listen to Bleacher Report or another podcast yeah. called The Left Coast yep. Show. Um, 
so the guy that does the music, he, his name is Rod Simba. He actually did the music for my podcast as well. And, you know, we go back and forth and he's claiming Jalen Hurd's going to have a better season than Debo Samuel. And I'm saying, no, Debo Samuel is going to have a better season than Jalen Hurd. Yeah. So so we have a prop bet, but listen, going back to Jimmy G here, I just want to touch on a couple of things. You look at 2017, man. Remember what happened with 2017 when, when Jimmy G was traded to San Francisco. Do you remember San Francisco's record? When Jimmy G arrived there, oh man, they were they were horrible. I um they had won two games, one game, one, one game. game, yeah, one game. They were one in ten heading into week twelve, and then if you remember what happened with Jimmy G when he came, he was like the savior, and everyone was looking at him like he was Jesus, right? Because he won five games in a row for this squad. It's insane what he did. And then I get it. In 2018, he came out. He looked extremely bad in week one. I think he completed his passes at like 45% or something like that. Yeah, it was 45% completion percentage. He was sacked three times in week one. He threw one touchdown to two picks. But then week two and three, you look at what he did. He picked it up. Even though he was sacked 10 times in those next two weeks, which, by the way, if you take his first three weeks that he came out in 2018, if you extrapolate that to 16 games, he would have been sacked 69 times, wow. which is a number that Gronk loves, by the way. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> um, 69 times would have been more than Deshaun Watson. But despite yeah. getting sacked 10 times in weeks two and three, he was still completing his pass at 68% completion percentage. He threw two touchdowns, zero picks in both of those games. And if you take an eight-game sample size dating back to week 12 of 2017, He's passing 283 yards average per game with 9.1 yards average depth of target, which would have been tied for sixth in 2018. And the best part about Jimmy G is that people think that, you know, any quarterback can come in Shanahan's system and be effective, which is true. You look at CJ Beathard, you look at Nick Mullins, what they did. But with Jimmy G, his deep passing ability is so on point. He's so accurate because the league-wide expected completion percentage for any passes that go 10 to 30 yards down the field, it's 58%. You want to take a stab at what Jimmy G's actual completion percentage on those throws are? I know he's he's definitely higher than than the league average, 70, 70%? 76% on throws that go between 10 and 30 yards. That's, yeah. That's insane. Oof. It's so this guy's accurate, right? And I think if you look at like some of the O line additions that they had with my, drafting Mike Blake the right tackle last year, who was PFF's number one rated ranked rookie, offensive lineman through 14 weeks. They extended Joe Staley. You know, they they gave Mike Pearson a three year extension as well. They picked up guys like Willie Beavers, Wesley Johnson. I think it's foolish to not look at, Jim, at Jimmy G like a breakout candidate. No, I, and it like you said last year. You know, the hype was definitely there for Jimmy G. And so I diving in more to his game film and everything like that. He's got the, the arm talent is there. He's got the confidence. You know, somebody asked him before, Jimmy G, you backed up Tom Brady. And, you know, how did that make you feel and all that? And he straight up said, he said, I'm a better quarterback. Yeah. And everyone laughed at him. Everyone laughed. And, and rightfully, you know, to this point, you're you're saying you're better than one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks ever, and so yeah, people made fun of him. But you watch his game take, and yeah, nobody's better. Nobody's better than this guy, right? Let's so, just get that uh, well, <laughs> side note: the the funny thing, did you ever hear the story about how um, the the conver- phone conversation between um, um, 
now I'm blanking on the name. Uh, but save uh, Lynch and and John Lynch and uh and Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. Did uh, you ever hear about it? No. When when they traded for Jimmy G? Yeah. No. So, no. Tell me so it is. The listeners will love this. This is a great story. I I love telling this story because I I heard about it. Anyway, so they were the 49ers. Like you said, they're not. They weren't. They didn't have a quarterback. They were. It was bad. So everyone knew that Jimmy G was possibly available, and that there were all this all this turmoil and stuff at what they were gonna do. So Lynch calls Bill Belichick and he says, "Hey, trade me Jimmy Garoppolo." And Bill Belichick says, "No, you're nuts. I'm not. I'm not trading you." Saying so he hangs up the phone. A couple hours later, Marshawn Lynch or uh, Lynch John Lynch <laughs> call. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Marshawn John Lynch. Lynch calls up again, and he's like. Hey, trade me Jimmy Garoppolo. And Bill Belichick's like, I'm not trading you Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he's, I'm not trading you Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not available for trade. Hangs up the phone. About 10 minutes later, John Lynch calls back and he goes, trade me Tom Brady. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, Bill Belichick goes, are you nuts? I'm not trading you Tom Brady. He's like, well, why not? You just said you're not going to trade me Jimmy Garoppolo. If you don't need Tom Brady, trade me Tom Brady. And then after that, he's like, all right, fine. I'll, you know, I mean, he wasn't, okay, fine. I'll trade you Jimmy G. But after that, they started working out a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. So yeah. it's just it's just hilarious how some of those stories come out and, and unfold. You know, Bill Belichick yeah. does have a humorous side. It's kind of funny. But, um, you know, to your point. Kyle Shanahan's offense, it, it, he can scheme around whatever quarterback. We saw, you know, the the uh, the backups coming in, and they were starting to get offers from other teams because <laughs> they were playing so well. And so you you get a guy who's actually confident, who actually has a very good arm, and and it's it's just shows up for success. It just it just pay, it paves the way for success. Yep. The one thing that I do still have a concern with is is he kind of has that uh, Jay Cutler tendency of he, he, he knows how strong his arm is and he sometimes thinks his arm is stronger than it really is, or that he can fit a ball into places where it might be a little bit too tight. His mechanics break down a little bit too much or not too much, but they, they sometimes break out a little bit uh, because he relies on his arm so much. Um, but again, the talent is there. The, the footwork and stuff, again, as he plays more and more and the coaching staff sees it more and more, they'll work on it. Uh, so I'm not too, too, um, I'm not too worried about that stuff. Yeah. So and I, I mean, I like it with those Aaron throws that you're talking about. I just want to touch on that. I mean, he, he really didn't have a, a solid guy around the edge coming out of the backfield because Jarek McKinnon went down early. And they, I mean, yeah, they had Matt Breida, but. I mean, he's not really good for those checkdown passes like Jarek McKinnon or like a Tevin Coleman would be. And they didn't really know what they had in George Kittle. I guess they did, but they didn't really uh, emphasize him in the offense too much. Right. And if you look at his deep shot weapons, I mean, who do they have in the beginning? They had Dante Pettis. Yeah, sure. I mean, he was a rookie. He was still developing. I mean, right. he was playing his first couple of NFL games. They had Marquise Goodwin, who's banged up constantly. Pierre Garçon, you know, who's only who was their possession guy over the middle. So when he took deep shots, I guess his receivers might have made him look a little bit bad where they couldn't get to the ball in time or right. they just didn't have the leverage on the DB. So I'm I'm giving like there's hesitation there. I, I still think Jimmy G is one of the most accurate deep passers. He yeah. can develop into one of the most accurate deep passers, especially Shanahan. Um, I think he's worth a look. I mean, especially as ADP. Right. I, I, I have zero, zero doubts about that pick. And the, the other thing before we move on to this the tight end positions summy is 
what's so great about these guys that we're talking about is, okay, we know from historical data that a late round quarterback or an undrafted quarterback is going to be a top quarterback at the end of the fantasy at the end of the fantasy season happens every single always year. always so you've got that going and here's the other thing the draft capital in these guys are so minimal that if you don't hit on them it's not like you can't go and find another top 10 quarterback on the waiver wire so it's worth to me and i'm sure to you it's definitely worth taking the time or or you know taking the the dart throw at one of these guys because if you miss you can go and and pick up another one but if you hit all of a sudden you just got a, a complete steal at some of these guys, you know, are taking their quarterbacks in the third, fourth, fifth round, and yep. you can be stacking up uh, running backs, wide receivers, or tight ends. And, um, and you, you know, you can end up canceling out their quarterback and then adding better value. Um, and I always but, preach that as well, yeah. where rounds like nine or rounds 10 to like 15, those last five rounds, you always want to take dart throws. You always want to go for that monster ceiling. Yep. Why be conservative? And that's why I always say don't draft handcuffs. What the hell is the point of drafting a handcuff? I mean, sure, you can ensure your first-round pick. I mean, that's probably the only handcuff that I would draft. But outside of that, I mean, why are you going to take up a roster spot when you can have that sort of upside and you can take that dart throw on, an, on a really high-ceiling kind of guy? Um, but I think Jimmy G can have a top five quarterback season. Uh, the only thing that's concerning me is his ACL recovery. Sure. He's still wearing that brace, but you know, I'm sure as the season goes on, it's been, he's more than a year. He's going to be more than a year removed, you know, during the middle of the season. So I think he'll be determined. Honestly, I think he will. Yep. I think he wants to prove people that he deserved the massive contract he got and, and all of that. So yep. uh, I, I, I don't mind it. Um, all right. So I'm going to jump into my tight end bust here. Summy. And I, I've been getting a lot of hate for it, but I'm standing by it. I'm planting my flag. He will not be on any of my teams this year. And unless he, he massively falls and I'm hoping whisper nation kind of stays away from him as well. And that is Hunter Henry tight end for the LA chargers still feels weird to say that. I don't, I don't care how many times I say it. <laughs> San Diego. Let's just yeah, keep it right? San Diego. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, Here's my my major concern. And when I'm looking at Hunter Henry, right, he was a huge hyped player starting uh, in the beginning of, of last season when I know you and I are di diving deep into these rankings uh, in, in February, you know, late January, early February. And we're Before starting to look Bowl. at these. I know. Right. And uh, Hunter Henry was a guy that was like, oh, hey, this guy could actually be something. Right. We saw some some really nice seasons where. He had the the massive touchdown upsides. Uh, you know, Gates was always there. And so it was always, you know, hey, Gates is getting older. Maybe we can, you know, he'll stop being involved and this will fully go to Hunter Henry. And we've seen how good the tight end position can be with Phillip Rivers. But here's the thing. All right. What was different about last year was the ADP of Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is now coming what we call a post hype hypes or a post post hype sleeper. Is that what we? I think <laughs> I messed that up, post, and I can't even. Yeah, a post, post hype post, sleeper. Yes, post hype sleeper. Thank you. And it has gotten so bad, Sami, that his ADP has crawled all the way up to the fifth round. Now let's remind Whisper Nation that this guy is coming off an ACL injury that he suffered last year in minicamp. 
he has yet to play a full 16 games in the NFL in his career, right? In 2018, like we just said, we had, he had the ACL. In 2017, he had kidney lacerations in week 15. In, yeah. week, in 2016, he had a knee strain, uh, which made him miss games. And he also had a concussion in 2016. In, 2000, in that same year, in 2016, he had 36 receptions on 47 targets for 478 yards and eight touchdowns. That's that's pretty good from a tight end position, especially in in today's you know dry desert of a uh, of tight end landscape. That seems pretty nice, you know. And then you look at his 2017, where he played 14 games. He had 45 receptions on 60 targets, 579 yards, and four touchdowns. That seems okay. That's a, a decent year, right? So you're like, well, Johnny, if you're listing off those stats, why wouldn't I want to go and get him? Why wouldn't you say he's a breakout candidate? And that, and the reason is one, the injury concern. Now I don't, I never really only like to base my, my concerns off of injuries. So I'll move on to my next and more important point. The best finish he's ever had in his career was tight end 14. Now, I know what you're thinking. Okay, I said it earlier. They had Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates is, uh, you know, might not even be on this team. They might resign him for old time's sake, but it's it should be Hunter Henry's show. Well, even when Antonio Gates was playing and he wasn't necessarily taking the majority of the snaps Hunter Henry was, the best finish Hunter Henry ever had was tight end four. He's never placed up for, for a given week. All right. If you look at his 29 career games that he's played in, where let's remind you, his ADP right now is is in the is 80 is tight end number five. I'm gonna which be, is pretty uh, high. It's, it's pretty, pretty damn high. high. It's it's pretty high. I'm gonna be a little bit. I'm even gonna give him one. I'll say let's say somebody else skips on him like I think they should, and he drops a, a tight end six. Summy, out of those six or 29. Uh, career games you know how many times he's finished six tight end or better on a given week 21 percent of the time six Ooh. times he's finished as a tight end one 14 times that's just a tight end one summy that's just under 50 percent of the time i'm sorry call me confident call me you know what you want but i'm pretty sure i can find a tight end one on the waiver wire each and every week streaming greater than 50% of the time. And guess what? That cost me zero draft capital. So for me, it all comes down to what his draft capital is. And, and for me, I'm not willing to spend a fifth round pick on a guy that can barely already only get his max of what we've seen is where right. he's going in drafts right now. Right. And listen, I, I'm totally with you there. I, I always preach and I tell all my listeners to, to not draft tight ends early, even the Kelsey's or the Ertz uh, or the Kittles. And I mean, some of the data behind that, if you look at it, seven out of the top 12 tight ends last year, they were drafted in round nine or later. Mm -hmm. And Great I, spot. yeah, I mean, if you just look at that and that's a, that it's pretty similar year over year as well, where I can even dig up the, the stats for the, the last five years. And you can find that to be a trend where most of the guys are drafted late. Um, I like to prioritize the wide receiver and running back depth. I mean, mm -hmm. sure, you can anchor your position of tight end, but then when you're when your workhorse running back goes down, good luck. You're going to be trading me your your tight end after that right. because I have all that depth. Exactly. But then some 
some more of those numbers, I mean, the tight end one on average from 2009 to 2019 finished with 222 fantasy points, right? But then you take a look at tight end six to tight end 12. The average difference between those two tight end finishes over the last 10 years has been only 26.6 points. And that's what? A couple of catches? Like, right. It's not that big of a it's not that big of a difference. I mean, the biggest difference between those two finishes, tight end six and tight end twelve, came in twenty thirteen when Jason Witten was tight end six, Jared Cook was tight end twelve, and that was forty nine points. Massive difference. Not really. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sure. So I'm totally on board with over, you. Over over a sixteen week season, uh Sami, that's just that's that's make or breaking a, a win. That's I think it's it, it equates out to one point six six fantasy points per game. Yeah. That uh the tight end six scores more than the tight end twelve. So if one point six fantasy points a game is gonna break you, sure. <laughs> yeah. Draft the tight end early. By all I means know that we have some listener out there right now that's like, I lost three times by point five. <laughs> What are you talking I'm about? I'm triggered. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, another stat that's really, really interesting to look at. I mean, last year there were 51 instances where a tight end that was drafted in 10th round or later or was on the waivers had a top 10 week. If you divide that by 16, that's three tight ends per week that put up eight or more points. So there's always streaming options available. And to grab a guy that there's question marks around, we've we've never seen him do it by himself. We've never seen how this offense will operate without a Tyrell Williams, with a with an aging Philip Rivers, with a guy like Austin Eckler who can now catch passes around the edge. I mean, Hunter Henry's not going to be the main read here unless he he shows that he can demand that target volume right off the get. And he's right. still wearing his knee brace in OTAs right now, so that's still a little bit concerning. Right, hundred percent agree. All right, I am I am I I am very very excited, but at the same time it does hurt my heart to see this next guy you've got down here. So let Whisper Nation know who you think is going to be a bust for the 2019 season, who they should stay away from drafting. Um again, you're gonna lose like half of your listeners right <laughs> after I say this guy's name. Um and I think that's just because of, you know, people are so emotionally invested in the general consensus where they think, oh, it's blasphemy that you have this guy ranked outside of the top three tight ends because he's automatic. He should finish there every year. And the guy I'm talking about is Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is going to be a bust in 2019. Take that to the bank. All right. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the term, def- the definition bust, it means that you're not going to return value at your ADP. His ADP right now is round two. 11th pick or, or 10th pick somewhere like that yeah. in half PPR. All right. Let me, let me explain to you what happened with Zach Ertz last year. All right. Let me give you a little bit of insight here, Johnny. So last year, what happened with Philadelphia's run game? Do you remember who they had to start off the year? Uh, I think they had a guy named uh, Jay Ajayi or as Travis and I like to say, live, laugh, Ajayi. <laughs> Jay glass knees Ajayi. Exactly. Right. The man himself, you know, he's still <laughs> a free agent. He can't find a job, but you know, he, he came out dominant. Sure. He provided that stability for Carson Wentz in the beginning. Sure. But without that run game, you saw that Ertz was, he's been Carson Wentz safety valve. And that's because Alshon's been banged up. That's because Aguilar has, hasn't been that effective. That's because they didn't have a real perimeter threat. Matt Collins got injured. I mean, he's been dealing with, with like a, herniate, a herniated disc or something like that. He has a whole slew of injuries. He's now doing one-on-one drills. But now they brought in Deshaun Jackson. They drafted a guy named J.J. Jaw, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who I'm extremely high on, who's Alshon's massive replacement. Massive news about him coming out. Like Massive news. Yeah. He might have a year one wide receiver breakout if Alshon goes down, by the way. So, yeah. 
keep your eyes on the waiver wire for him. Uh, then they, you know, obviously I mentioned Deshaun Jackson, but now they've got an actual run game. Mm-hmm. They've got, I mean, who do they pick up? They got Jordan, Jordan Howard, Howard here. And then they, and then Miles Sanders, who I absolutely love. Uh, I was preaching his name, but long before the draft. Yep. So Miles Sanders is a really explosive talent. I mean, it's kind of iffy about his hamstring injury, his strained hamstring yeah. hamstring hamstring injury uh gonna have to wait and see on that but jordan howard's gonna provide that stabilizing run game that they really wanted with ajayi last year and what they had with legarrett blunt the year before that um so with, going back to zacherts here right let me let me tell you uh, an insane stat that you might have not noticed on and a lot of people kind of skimmed over the stat because it's not like one of those stats that you see but zacherts averaged 10.2 yards per reception as a tight end Cool. It sounds okay. But then you compare that in context with the top 20 tight ends. The only ones worse than 10.2 yards per reception, Austin Hooper, who finishes tight end six, and then Cameron Brait, who finishes tight end 19. They're the only ones worse with 10.2 yards per reception. But, I mean, with that much volume, the volume that he got, right, he caught 116 balls last year. And that amount right there is more targets than he's seen in the three previous years before that and again going back to him being an extension of the run game because they didn't really have one that sort of volume is not going to sustain itself and i didn't even touch on dallas goddard who's making headlines in otas right now who doug peterson is coming out and giving high praise for as an amazing player who's seen exceptional development. The tight end coach came out and said that. And he's going to take away a lot of snaps from Zach Ertz. I mean, he, you're going to see a lot more two tight end sets, yeah. yeah. But you're going to see a lot of those targets shifting to Dallas Goddard, especially in the red zone. So that's the reason. I mean, if you if you look at And his, I think at, they want to run the ball more, to be honest with you. I absolutely. think that that they want – they saw what Carson went and, – and don't get me wrong, you know, Carson Wentz is still going to throw the ball. But that was the big thing. It was like you had stated, there was too much pressure on Carson Wentz. So what did they do? They went out in the offseason and they got two running backs that are both way better than what they they had last year. And, yep. you know, arguably even better than what they had their Super Bowl year with the LeGarrette Blunt and and Clement and, you know, that that whole duo there. So, yeah, yeah I, I can definitely I, I'm definitely picking up what you're laying down here I, I definitely can see i'm a little bit bitter here i'm sitting here trying to hold my tongue because <laughs> big travi and i have a a whisper wager going on between kittle and Ertz, and i'm not really liking the stats you're throwing out it's making me a little nervous i'm not gonna lie yeah listen he can still demand 110 targets i totally see that happening i have him statted out currently for 110 targets mm-hmm. but 110 targets at 10.2 yards per reception i mean cool you know you're still looking at a thousand yard season but then you've got other names that are ready to break out like oj howard i mean hunter henry i'm kind of on the opposite side of the fence where i do think you know if his knee is healthy enough where i do think he can break out um and then you have, you've got other guys like evan ingram too who's going to see a massive target volume share in you know the new york giants offense as well so there's just some other guys that Vance i like mcdonald i big traveling i love Vance. i saw mm. yeah don't i don't even want to mm. dummy don't even go there i'm not even gonna go there with you because oh, we don't have time for that but that'll not. be for another show absolutely um but yeah i see i i can see both sides you know it is you know one major thing for me that i'll, I'll just counter with is just 
the consistency as far as finishing at the position. Uh, we've seen every single year Zach Ertz has improved, and he went, you know, eight, seven, uh, three, and then two. And so, you know, you like to see that from a, a fantasy production standpoint. You like to see the consistency. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, looking at all the weapons that they brought in, looking at the run game, knowing the situation that we have right now with Carson Wentz, and it is hard to see him returning, you know, those targets or those that amount of receptions, 100%. I, I totally agree with that. One last thing I just wanted to bring up is that, you know, you're talking to a guy who caught Ertz's breakout before it happened. I mean, I saw it coming. Yep. I, was, I, uh, I, yep. I had him on my team on that year, too. There you go. And he was a steal because you got him in like the seventh round, eighth round. Yep. And I could see like a top two, top three tight end finish coming from him. One thing I also want to bring up is I'm actually losing my train of thought here. What I was going to mention was going to be. Actually, never mind. I, I, I completely lost my train of thought there. I'm sorry. It was, no, it was no, my no comment. I apologize. No worries at all. If I think of it, I'll just interrupt while you're doing the outro. And, uh, all right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, Whisper Nation, thank you so much. Again, that was our quarterback breakouts and our tight end busts uh, bringing to you. So we do not want you to draft those guys in this this, uh, draft, or we do want you to go out and draft those guys in this draft. Let us know in the comments below. We want to know some of your guys' breakouts, some of your guys' busts. Do you agree? Who do you agree with? Are you on Summy's side? Are you on uh, Game Time side? Well, again, thank you so much, Summy, for joining us here on the Fantasy Whispers. It was definitely a pleasure having you on. Love the stats you bring. Love the energy and uh, the overall insight you bring to our show and just a fantasy. Let Whisper Nation know where they can get more of your content because it is awesome. Thank you so much again for having me on for a second show here with quarterbacks and tight ends. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so if anyone's interested I'm posting a lot of gold nuggets, stats on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at Draft Room Pod. That's Draft Room Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. You can also search for Draft Room Podcast on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, you name it, your preferred podcast listening platform, and interact with me. I mean, Johnny, you know, we had mentioned this last last show as well, but we both do this for the love of the community. And I want to I want to speak to listeners. I want to speak to people who are passionate about fantasy, who you know create that sense of belonging and culture. And and you know I think it's just a really cool community to to of people to to talk to. And I'm always open to have a chat. So feel free to slide in my DMs, and uh, I'm more than happy to provide advice or just talk shop. For sure, man. And we're the same way. If you want to search us, just search the Fantasy Whispers. We are on Instagram. We're on Twitter at TF Whispers on Twitter, or we have videos up on YouTube. Just search the Fantasy Whispers. we got a bunch. This one will be up there. So, again, we can't wait. We'll have Summy back on the show for sure, dropping those stats, dropping those nuggets. We love them. All right, man, until next time, that is Summy. I'm Johnny Gametime Hicks. We are the Fantasy Whispers, and we're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.